All right, so, I've got one. I've got. I've got. Uh, I've got here we go. Let's here we go. Here, hang on. Ba bum, 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 ba bum. Oh my goodness! I know what that is. No, it's show, isn't it? Ba-bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ba-bum, bum, bum. No. You've got me. I don't know what it is. So we've I got a new game. It. We've got a new game, Roy, that starts the show. Guess <laughs> 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 <Guess> the bum. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, on the, on, the last, on the last few weeks' podcast, uh, <laughs> Rob... Rob was furiously Googling these bottles. Now he's Googling the flumps. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dram Facers. Welcome to Podcast 11. My name's Gregor McWee, otherwise known as Time for a Dram. Today, I'm joined by Rob Roy Hello. and Jason. How are we all? Perfect. In good shape. Thank yeah. you. Grand, thank you. Yeah, same old good stuff. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've missed that magnetism. (laughs) (laughs) It's currently 9.22 a.m. for me at time of recording uh, on a Saturday, a wet Saturday in Oregon. So, spoiler, I've got a cup of tea. So, that's that's me kicking off our our What Are We Drinking roundtable. So, I'll kick it around. But I do want to add a question to you to settle a debate. When When making a cup of tea... It needs to be Yorkshire tea. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't the question, but yes, okay. (laughs) Uh, We have this debate all the time because we've nothing better to talk about all these expats over in America. Milk first or milk last? Milk last, and you can't pour the milk into the tea while it's still too hot. Right, Rob. It needs to be off the boil, milk last. Okay. Milk last, but the tea bag has to already be out. Yes. The sight of seeing a tea bag floating in milky tea is just, it offends me. <laughs> Jason? Uh, I prefer it black, so I'm not bothered really, but uh, tea bag, yeah. uh, the milk at the end, that's the last thing to go in. And yeah, as, okay. uh, as uh, Rob said, tea bag out, definitely. Uh Right, we'll, we'll quickly get off this, the, the topic of tea no, bags. No, 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 because this all, su- no, no, this all suggests that the tea bag is in the mug. That's a pretty modern way to make tea, right? Oh, you Yeah, even if you're putting tea bags or tea leaves or whatever into the teapot, I, I will make an exception of putting the milk into the mug first and then pouring the tea onto the ready-made tea, the ready-brewed tea, onto the milky cup because it keeps the cup a wee bit cooler and means you can drink it quicker. Right. I, Wait, I mean, that, make, you... that makes sense, but I feel like I've, I've learned to put the milk in last so I know how much... I just do it by colour rather than amount. So I feel like putting the milk in first can go really bad. There's badly. truth to that, yeah, yeah. You can sometimes have too much milk and you can't take it out, right? Yeah, but I like the, I like the idea. It makes sense with the with the with the temperature. The the only time you have the tea bag in is if you're at the football or you're on a train and it's one of those polystyrene cups or whatever they give you, oh. and the tea bag on a bit of foil and you've got nowhere to put it because the bin's half a mile away or it's full. <laughs> That's the only time the tea bag should be in the drink. 
I'll make a wee confession. I actually like keeping the tea bag in right till oh, the end no. as well. I love that it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Oh, you you trigger you trigger Rob's OCD. He'd be I, mean, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I I have to. Mine has to be brewed for at least five minutes before I even put the milk in. Yeah, uh, I yeah, agree. It's like yeah. it's like the same argument we put in ice in whiskey. I know, like people do it. I do it. But it's the whole point. It's slowly getting more diluted as you drink it. But same with the tea bag; it's just getting slowly and slowly stronger, and it to the point where it's really bitter. And so know. it's the exact opposite of ice. Well, it is opposite. <laughs> similar profile. Similar kind of. All right. All right. All right. This okay. is, this is th- no. This is a this is a rich stream. This is a rich stream of um, nonsense. Here's one. Do you sugar your tea or no? No. Yeah. No. Rob, Rob. Rob does two knees. Um, I have black I, coffee, but I have one sugar in my tea. I'm a team. I'm a, yeah, me, me too. So sugar divided. Uh, listeners, <laughs> listeners, you de- you decide the vote if it's no. sugar or I, no. Do you know sugar. I'm so uptight about that that I will change teaspoon to stirring a sugar tea to stirring an unsugared tea. I don't want a single grain of sugar near my tea. So, listeners, welcome to an episode of what's your what's your OCD? <laughs> OCD anonymous. Um, let's round this one out with the last uh, eternal question: What is the optimum dunking biscuit for your tea? Uh, there's no question. There's literally it's, it's a hobnob. Oh, I'm surprised. Oh. Chocolate hobnob, and that is oh. the pinnacle of biscuit. No, that's because you've um, already sugared your tea, so you can put chocolate in it. That's nuts. That's the only thing to dunk is a digestive. Surely, you, dunk it. you just show it the tea, and it crumbles in your hand. Yeah, it's a qu- I'll admit it's a quick dip, but <laughs> it's a quick dip. <laughs> Jason, do you vote hobnob or digestive, or have you got another? I don't dunk, so I'll, I'll you know, because oh. it just breaks off and gets soggy at the bottom. Why would you want that? So, no dunking. I mean, I, I, I like chocolate. Actually, I think, yeah, I like chocolate biscuits with tea because I think normally a Kit Kat is the winner overall, but that's not really biscuit. Oh, you're dunking a Kit Kat in your tea? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I, I am confused. <laughs> this will be it now. It's the last time I'll be on the sh- allowed on the podcast. Rich, rich, rich tea. Is probably the acceptable answer. I would also accept sh- shortbread as an answer. Uh, a, a Kit Kat, sorry. Um, Do you know, I, I'm realising now as well that we forgot to welcome people to the Tea Face podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think we've all, we all agree we've got high level of taste, so it would make sense we've got an opinion on how to make a cup of tea. Anyway, yeah. uh, Roy, what's in the glass? Tonight, uh, starting tonight, but a wee bit later, I'm going to celebrate by opening something quite nice. But right now, I've got something that's quite nice and already open. It's the uh, White Peaks uh, Wireworks, their first release. Uh, it's uh, 50.3%. Uh, it's using STR and bourbon. Obviously, just a three-year-old whiskey. Um, and it's got stamped up the side Derbyshire, or Derbyshire, you would pronounce it, I suppose, England. And it's a really quite cool bottle, um, mimicking the twisting of wire strands. Mm. I've really loved my time with this whiskey. There's only a few, well, there's about a third of the bottle left, I suppose, but I've enjoyed it a lot. It's ridiculously densely flavoured for a three-year-old spirit. Um, and uh, if they can keep this up, there's good things 
ahead for White Peak. I'm enjoying this one tonight again. Solid. STR, um, everybody knows, I'm sure, but shaved, shaved, toasted, and recharred, mm. um, reconditioning old wood. Question, how... How close does that get back to what it would have originally been, do you guys think, in terms of what it can impart? Like, if it was a percentage-wise, what, what would you guess? Well, I don't, like... I don't think it does. I think it's, it's a different thing. They are reconditioning it. That's the, the shaving part. The toasting part is what you would maybe do with a wine cask or European oak, which wouldn't be done to a bourbon cask before it's charred. So you've got that kind of double thing going on there. So you're toasting it, and I, I think it's all about accessing the you know, the vanillins and the various sweetening and flavoursome compounds in the oak, digging into them. But it's I can't think of a cask that that's done to from the get-go. I don't, Jason, I don't know if you know a toasted and charred cask that's typically used other than STR. Not off the top of my head, no. I mean, it might happen, but I'm just yeah. not aware of it. I think that's one of the things that makes it unique because when you char, you're charring into all pre-toasted wood, right? So it is slightly mm-hmm. different. Um, it seems to work. It's obviously one of these kind of uh, uh, innovations pioneered by Jim Swan, the late Jim Swan. And, you know, Bimber use it. White Peak use it. It's more, uh, Kilhoman use it a lot. And new distilleries use it. Basically, you see it used a lot, I think, when people want to kind of bring whiskey on quite quickly. It's not the kind of cask that you would put whiskey in for a long time, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite active. But it's. I think it's a good way. I mean, consider the environmental side of things now you're rather than trashing wood or after this third fill or whatever it may be fourth fill um this ability to if if, if there's integrity to the cask to, to to give it another life and it seems to it seems to be doing okay it seems to be working quite well i've not not really had any kind of a uh, negative reactions to it if i'm honest do we know do we know how new a practice it is no, I don't, honestly. I know that Jim Swan, I don't know how long he was doing it for. I don't know if there was anybody before him doing it. Uh, so I think it was it, him from memory. It's definitely his legacy. His um, innovation, right. Yeah, I'm not a big big fan of it personally. It's just a cheap, no? cheating way to bring a little like, a little bit more texture and bottle younger whiskey at higher prices. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sure. adding. Jason, I'm just adding that to the list of things Jason doesn't like. It'd be easier <laughs> yes. to put. It'd be easier to have the list of things I do like. It will save you time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truth, Jason, truth. Jason, well, well, what? Well, there's a good segue. What is something that you like? What's in your glass right now? Um, this it's the new Thompson. Well, their first blend, so they're they're vat, they're blending now. So it's the SRV five, over eight years old. Bottled at forty eight and a half percent natural all the way, and that is thirty five pounds. Wow! Mm. Wow! Has that been and gone, or is that still still out there? Don't um, worry, boys. There's a, there's a couple of bottles traveling to Isla with us. You'll get to yeah. try it. I was thinking of the listener, Roy. They're doing batch. No, you were not. You were thinking of you. <laughs> I was indirectly thinking about yes. me. Yes, because they've got their um. They've got their larger cask for this to vat everything. I think the outturns are 800. Um, they're okay. already doing batch two now, so it's definitely a way to get your hands on one of their releases and not, not you know, without paying silly money at secondary prices. And it should be available in most places, but 
it's probably going to end up like, I mean, I'm trying to remember one of the ranges, but you know, when, when bottlers bring out more of their affordable budget range, because it's a series, people snap it up because they want to continue the series and compare it to the previous bottle because they empty two thirds of the, the cask into the, the outturn and the remaining third, like Glenfiddich style or whatever, starts the basis of the next blend. God, so it's yeah. continually evolving like a Celera. Is that Celera? I was going to say, is that yeah. where's the difference to Celera then? Is Celera because it's multiple casks stepping down or? Um, so a Celera system is half emptied and then topped up again. So, and as, and as it kind of, if you imagine a kind of waterfall effect as it goes down the layers, then theoretically each layer becomes older and older and older. Okay. Um, uh, I, I think, um, is this just a vat that's never emptied? Is that what the... Yeah, that's going to be the plan. They're just going to continually fill it and empty two thirds each time. So it'll be a Solera vat. Yeah. yeah. Rather, rather, than a, rather than an actual Solera. Ah, I got you. Yeah. And it was what, 35 for seven years, eight years, you said? Over eight years. So there'll be older stuff in there, no doubt. Yeah. 35 quid. That's epic. That's amazing. That's what we need more of. So it's going to stay, it's going to stay that age. You know, I think it'll always be that age because they're not, they're not, they're not aging it in an oak cask, right? Even if it's an oak vat, they're not aging it. So it's always going to stay an eight year old product, despite the fact that it's going to be getting. Uh, increasingly older as time goes on. Mm, yeah, twelve hundred right. liter, so European oak. So, yeah, good. So it's not going to be big. It's not going to yield a lot of. Because they can bottles, only, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they can only empty half of it at a time. So six hundred liters comes out at a time, I guess, and yields eight hundred bottles. It sounds like something like that. Nice. I wonder how that would affect the price, because obviously, as soon as they keep adding more and more to it the amount of older whiskey is going to be smaller and smaller. It's not always going to be present. So would they keep it the same price or would it increase in price? Or I'm not sure how that would, that would be worked out. I think they'll just keep it the same. This is their yeah. is the entry sort of bottling. The one it's not like yeah. the, the, like the sly people have figured out the, the Glendronic like bottles oh, yeah. that were marked as 15, but they were like 18, 19, but it will be that kind of scenario. Or is no, it like the art? Oh, it's different. Stuff. It's different yeah. from overaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but the fact that obviously the, the bottles, the the whiskey in there would be old, but it would be it'll be continually emptied. Yeah, very... Glenfiddich famously their fifteen year old is a Solera vat, um, and the, yeah. the, there was it was Speyburn as well used to have a very old Solera. They used to put out a twenty five year old Solera from Speyburn that's discontinued. I don't know why. I don't know if they've got rid of their Solera system, um, but. It, you know, it, it's. I think it's nice to see it used. It's, it's an interesting thing to do, uh, and 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 it will. The whiskey will actually get older each time, Rob. I mean, if the base stays at eight year old minimum, you know, there's there's obviously it's diminishing quantities every time yeah. they fill and empty. But there, theoretically, the idea is is that the that there are there's older and older whiskey remnants of older and older whiskey mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. as time goes on. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Mm, definitely yeah but definitely Rob, viable what about yourself for sure what's what's it with 35 pound i'll buy two um <laughs> <laughs> rob what's especially if you vote for it jason what's uh what's in the glass rob um mine's well i mean one of my glasses is empty at the minute i'm currently drinking uh, a very nice uh punk ipa but i was going to move on to one that was recommended to me by uh, jason um i think i might have said this before but i was a bit tentative to get um to jump into i uh 
independent bottlings because it's very hard to get fine reviews um the more few and far between whereas obviously the core range stuff is all the more popular like uh annual releases are more reviewed upon um by that's why like places like Dramface are like a, a godsend for people like me but um there was a Caden heads that was reviewed uh on the website and so i messaged jason and was like is there anything else that you'd recommend whilst i'm purchasing it was a macromel 13 um uh, so is there anything else you'd recommend? And he, rec- he, he looked at the website and, and uh, suggested they get the Inchgower 10-year-old uh, cast strength. And it's delicious. Really, really nice. As I say, it's uh, somebody who's not really comfortable sometimes uh, buying independent bottlings. So mm. I like to get a bit of research up front before I spend the money. Uh, the two bottles that Jason's recommended obviously are crackers. Yeah, you make a good point about journey and where you're ready to be on on, on a, reaching for an IB you know I I dabble I've not I think we, we were talking earlier off uh, off air about the IB scenario in in the US it's maybe not as populated as in the UK you know there's not as many options but it's an interesting one that people seem to go I think you know people dabble around in core for a few years on their journey and then they get yeah. a bit more curious and they go and it's funny you know I've got a couple of friends Sevi particularly thing he only ever talks about ibs you know mm-hmm. it's an ib world for him it's funny because over uh, time you kind of realize that even though you're buying these core ranges not all of them are made the same not all of them are equal i mean a lot of new distilleries are not are doing annual releases and and everything's a batch now uh so you kind of it, jumping into these like one-off bottles one-off cask uh cask releases it's it's more comfortable it's just yeah. getting, you know if you like the spirit I like the distillery spirit um, to begin with. That's the the challenge. Jason, out of curiosity, you're you're probably one of the furthest along on your journeys or or, or ten years. Do you chase more IB flavor hits than not than than core these days? I'd probably say probably ninety five percent of my purchases are independent now. Yeah, the, the official stuff just doesn't hold much interest for me anymore. Um, for for context, off air, Jason was. Um, uh, just reaching, he'd drop his hand down left or right in his studio, in his office, and just uh, <laughs> with a never-ending selection of bottles coming up. Not one of them was a core, right, Jason? It was all IB. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could give you. I mean, if you wanted a core, there's there's a Tomatin 10, but that's from the 70s. <laughs> right. <laughs> he barely right. moved. <laughs> that's great. What was that cartoon character with the end? Captain Fantastic, uh, right? <laughs> was it was it is that right i don't know or the, the elastic arms no it was the one um uh the wee kid with the the hat that he would reach in and pull everything he wanted out i can't mind them now oh, imagine make that one <clears throat> yeah me neither magic torch i don't know either kidneheads creations uh, is pulling out is pulling it. yeah 44 year old i was saying it so yeah 44 year old so what, what, Jason? When you're buying these IBs, what, what are you? Is there anything you're particularly looking for? Or is it a case of like, I, I like that distillery. I'm going to jump in for that bottle. Or is it you? Are you looking for the more unique? Uh, are you looking for familiarity? Or are you looking for something different? Probably what I'm asking. I think it's all about being connected in a way because it's the the, the, um, the jungle drums, word of mouth. I mean, I myself, I know the distilleries that hold interest. You know, so um. Ben Rinnis, people like Kleinlish, I like Dao Yuen, 
uh, those sorts of distilleries where you know the characters in the spirit to begin with, Morlack. Yeah. Thought it was mine then. Every single one of us had a crazy twitch there, right? A like, <laughs> <laughs> baby's voice comes in and like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, there is nothing quite like, for those that can't see, uh, a little one, a little minion just came in, mm-hmm. freshly out the bath, pyjamaed. There is nothing quite <laughs> like that. It's, it's, I think it's as close as you get to that newborn uh, awesomeness. Yeah. Night, night, daddy. He's a Kilkerran Kill fan, so um, that's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, it's the distillery mainly, um, and that's the sort of thing to speak positive of the, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society for a change, you know, when they're not fiddling and finishing with things, it's a good way to try a natural expression from a distillery you normally wouldn't see a, a core range from or in any shape or form, you know? So uh, just familiarity, you know? Um, Manic Moor was one I probably would have overlooked, but there's always, you know, there's always going to be a good Manic Moor and I'd heard rumblings it was quite good and then I just went just plunged for it sometimes you just got to go with it or mm-hmm. uh, north star bottled that dow Ewan, uh no no Dalwini last year uh, that was the first independent Dalwini i've seen mm-hmm. decades i think um so you just go for that um but uh it's just about being connected and talking to people that that's the main thing and you know what you See, like so just this... go with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i this is a i, I want to bank this topic for another one another time but i also want to hit you up for as much as many pointers as possible jason what would you say when you're looking at ibs other than um intel and so on is there is there a a a repeating red herring that you see something that you go ah nope you know is there a a thing done or a change of of casking or something that you can see with an ib that you that turns you off i think uh, we we talked before the show about well-aged maturation and then they finish it for a couple of years in a a sherry cask or something's finished in a an octave or a firkin or a smaller cask just because they're wanting to get that sherry bomb uh color thing going uh and that's right. wrong to me um but some people like it but uh, you'd be better off buying sherry um it's a lot cheaper um but <laughs> what, what, one of the good markers for me is track form who's picking the casks at that bottler do they know their stuff are they picking good stuff so mark watt uh you know can pick a cask um north star can pick a cask charlton whiskey certainly can pick a cask. you know and you get a feel for these bottlers the thompsons as well you know people who are really good at picking casks um and that comes through with their bottlings rather than people who are i don't know maybe don't have the the connections or they're further down the picking order who yeah they're so it's interesting yeah so it's like you it's it's even got to the point where you you're looking beyond what's in the bottle and who's actually picked it yeah as well it's not just a case of like oh i like this such and such is actually yeah. people doing it that's actually really interesting I never, I never considered that to be honest yeah and and i think that it's it's not necessarily known who picks the bottle but going as jason just pointed out going brand by brand you know um the only name he mentioned there was mark Watt. well mark Mark's name is actually on the bottle, right? It's it's Mark Watt. It's Watt whiskey. It's it's him and his his wife. So he's picking the one the bottles there, but we don't know who's 
you know, occasionally, I mean, I know who picks for Elixir, for example. I don't know who's picking for SMWS. I don't know who's picking for Cadenheads. Um, we don't know. I don't know the guy that's picking for Trotton. I guess it's Phil and Simon that's picking for Thompson Brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you don't. You often don't know the person. But you know, you go. The track record tends to follow the brand at least for a little while before there's a, you know, a position change or something. So yeah. And the good yeah. thing is to go in the tasting with someone. So say Charlton do the occasional tasting. Go in one of them online, and he'll talk to you about casks, what he's picking, and why. Mm. And he's quite open and honest about it. It's quite refreshing, and you can actually see he takes pride in getting things right and putting his not his name but his company's name on the label and shipping it out. So. Um, just getting connected and you know some people really like um you know lady of the glen they do the, the you know they've went for a bit of finishing yeah. there um some people really like that style other people prefer i'm trying to think of some independent bottlers now um goodness what's the ones that's doing a series north of star. pubs at, yep north star the ones that are doing a series of pubs at the moment um uh, an english company uh, i forget who they, they are so you, you get a feel for what they're trying to do um and so, sometimes unfortunately it's trial and error you know you, you get you'll get some wrong you'll you'll pick a few duffers and you'll 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 hit a home run on some of them so i mean old gunzi terrible branding to me <laughs> um if you've not seen <laughs> yeah. it it's and yet the bottle it's got a bit of weight behind it but when you actually start trying the whiskies they're bottling you actually thinking there's somebody there who's actually picking some really good casks and yet people are just totally dismissing it because of that old geezer it looks like uh i don't know um someone something still still game game. or something yeah <laughs> and it, you just i mean i first saw it and i thought what what is this is this somebody's like really done a diy oh, attempt amazing. at an independent um and but no the whiskey is really good once you get beyond that and i had a couple of bottles and i've swapped a couple and i've recommended some and people have been impressed by even like I think they did a Tianic, um 18 months ago, which is really good. But their prices are actually quite good as well. So I'd recommend checking out them. Yep, that's Gunzi there. <laughs> looks like someone from... It looks like a bygone age, isn't it? Um, that's hilarious. That's that's. There must be a term for that sort of anti-marketing, our anti-imaging, you know? Like, it's so bad, yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got a few brands. Um, I can't remember the name. It's something. I they bought one at a really lower them. strength, didn't they? And it's like, I think the number is, the number's the brand or something. And it's, yeah. Like, yeah eight, you're right. They, something eight. Yeah, I think I'm getting eight. It's like I'm it's trying to remember the Chinese they, market. They were, at, they were at the Glasgow Whiskey Festival and I, I was speaking to the a couple of guys from the team there and the Bonacord afterwards. And it, it's really quite an organic story there. It's about, it's about old Gunzi himself. He's the, the whiskey loving dad in the family who teaches his family ah, okay. how to appreciate whiskey a little bit and things and how to enjoy it, how to appreciate it. And it's kind of, it's ended up seeding this whole kind of saying, okay, let's try this. So they're kind of, um, they've come out with a, a few different brands. I need to check it out. I need to remember who the name of the company is. I feel bad now, but is that number yeah, eight? They're, they're is, that, is that Octave, the, the eight? No. Is they, because they have no. an eight on their ball, don't they? Or is it Infinity, I guess? I'm not sure. Ah, oh dear, I'm going to... Well, Jason, gonna you mentioned... It's funny, you mentioned... You mentioned uh, Lady of the Glen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a fun... A nice little side anecdote of that. My mate, Chris, uh, he was in the market to try and get a couple of 
whiskey cat like used whiskey casks for his back garden and you know as i'm sure many whiskey lovers do they turn it into a planter or a table at yeah. the back and uh for, it was luck. I think he go. I think he went direct to them. I think he stays near them or something like that. And uh, as it turned out, he was able to track down a bottle. Like because the the details were still on the cask, he was able to get the the bottle hadn't been released yet, and he was able to catch like catch a couple of the bottles of the same cask that he had, which I thought was amazing. It was like you've got this. It's like the complete That's package. Good, yeah. They're just down the road Sorry. for me as well, so they're in Dalgate Bay now. Um, but no, the Fife Leisure Retail Park that's just up the road for me, they've got like uh, one of these indoor golf range things, and they're always selling casks and planters uh, quite cheap, and they all seem to be Loch Lomond casks um, <laughs> that they come from. <laughs> so there's definitely a wee business there and people selling on casks for whatever reason, but yeah. Um, the company cool name is, is, is called... Uh, Global whiskey, that's that's who owns and and the concept eight is the brand that we were thinking about. Ah, uh, right. Concept eight, they brought out a Dulyuan, uh, a Chininic, and Colila, uh, and they're all they're all forty point eight percent ABV. So that's part of the branding there. Um, so so yeah, that's concept eight, and the other the other one that they have is the red the the red cask company. It's funny. It's funny as you do that, Roy. As you run off to get the info or the intel, it does kind of remind me of what pub 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 debates you know used to be. <laughs> it was it was it was decided by who was the the firmest in the delivery of the opinion. Yes. You know now we've got now we've got encyclopedias in our pockets that you're just going off and Google. No, that's not right. That's uh, not right. I think you'll find. <laughs> I've got a. I mean, it's the same with the malt society. You see everybody get their phone out. Which distillery is this? And yet, I've got <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple old bottles with the the old classic green and white label. And one of them, somebody's actually written their tasting notes and what the the distillery was on the label. So it's a nice memento. But that's probably what they did back in those days because they didn't have phones like you say. Um, and the, yeah. where would you go for that information back then? You probably wouldn't have any avenue. So you'd have to write it on the label, I suppose, or on a book. Yeah, I started yeah. doing that. The first the first few bottles I got from the SMWS, I would write on the back. And then, yeah, I've got the list on my notes. Um, and then, of course, they say, don't don't worry about what it is. Just drink the thing. Uh, oh, bollocks, isn't it? Well. Um, we had, and we had a... <laughs> We had I was a, gonna say kind of follow suit with the whole just trust who's bottling it, but no, yeah. fair enough. We had a one the one fifty point one last night. Phil was doing a tasting. And we managed to get him the bottle and ship it over, and that's a West Cork distillery, I think. And that you know to open a point one was nice, but it actually it was really good. Uh, finished in a rye cask, um, which met approval from everybody. Um, no me. Oh no, Gregor! It's, see, it's it's it, you're right. If you'd be surprised, if you don't like rye. If you don't like rye, I get it. You're not wanting to drink rye. Um, but recently, uh, the batch two of Fetter Cairns Warehouse release, our Warehouse two release was was rye as well, and it just adds enough fizz, a wee bit of effervescence to it. It doesn't make you think rye at all. It just you're giving so, me, you're giving me the thumbs down. I'm going to bring that Fetter Cairn. I'm going to bring <laughs> rye to Isla. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's it. It's just a rye weekend. Yeah, and just just um, to get... Sorry. So, what is it about the rye you you don't it doesn't agree with you? Because I feel like every bottle of rye I've had is is really different. Originally, it was just it was just all spice, but now it's uh, it's really sweet and get it's just. I've knocked on I've knocked on enough rye doors uh, 
and it and it trigger it trigger me uh, so many ways. I just don't fight it, Rob. You know, I have tried enough times that I'm like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not going to say yeah. I don't know you have. I just to be fair, there are some really aggressive rise in America in American whiskey. Uh, you know, you're almost crunching on peppercorn or a bread mix type thing and some of them aren't pleasant but i think if it's used right it can bring something to the the previous well, well i tried a glass of the scottish rye from Arbicky recently oh um, yeah and uh, that's not going to convince gregor either <laughs> well if you don't if you don't like that that style if you don't like that flavor profile um to some people it's kind of lime and ginger fizz to other people they get soap um, so, and I would say that if, if, you, if you don't have a palate for that, if you don't have a, yeah. uh, an appreciation for it, it's, it's not, I wouldn't bring you their, their Bicky, but some rye casks. Unfortunately, their biggest, their biggest problem is the price. It's nothing to do with what's in the bottle. Um, yeah, but I, I have noticed each release is getting significantly cheaper and they said that that's what their mission is. Got to, to each re- yeah. each release is going to be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Um I, I, you know, I wish them well. I hope that that does happen, but um I agree with you Jason the reason the reason that I went to the Bon Accord and bought a dram for 13 pounds for a, for a very young whiskey, right? Uh, is because I didn't want to commit to the 100 pounds it was going to cost me for a bottle. Um, price is absolutely part of it. I'm all for supporting small concerns and new distilleries and things, but our, our Bicky are not small scale. Uh, they're doing things a wee bit differently. I appreciate that that was a very small outturn and things, but it was very pricey. And I have to say, on, a drink, on drinking experience um, alone, I would have to say that uh, I, I would have been a wee bit annoyed uh, at the price yeah. of it. I've got, got a bottle here. Uh, Perthshire? Yeah, sort of that up, that North Forfer type way, I think. I've got a bottle kicking around here, and I think it was the inaugural rye, and it was £250, which is just Ah, too much. As much like Roy says, you want a goodwill and see people prosper. It's it's Mm. too much. Perth's got a lot to answer for, isn't it, Roy? Mm. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Just to go back to the the rye cask, I mean, I feel like the first thing that came to mind was um, Rassi. I know they have like the three different casks, but they, and that comes out really well. Oh, don't tell me they're messing around with rye. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, just, just, with just relax. Right just relax. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> don't worry, Gregor. That's, I think your trip to Scotland this is, is a Rassi yeah. sample. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, Gregor, your trip to Scotland that's coming up is going to be eye-opening for you because every time that you've come over to Scotland before, even when you've been drinking whiskey, I think it's going to, it's been about what bottles can I grab to take back home? What can I get in Scotland that I can't get at home? What can I try, explore, explore, explore? What you're actually going to do this trip is get dirt under your fingernails. You're going to see yes. different aspects of the landscape of Scotch whiskey. It's going to be eye-opening, and I think that you've already preempted that there could be a come down after you have to go back home again. Yeah, um, yeah. I was yeah. Yeah, I was messaging you that. Yeah. Um, no, indeed. I just reflected on the fact that I'm drinking peated whiskey and rye at, um, at Rassi. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I have to say, you know, I, I've knocked on the peat door. Again, not to turn this all about me. I've knocked on the peat door equally a few times, but I, I know that's, that, that will come to me and, and, and I've got, a few drams that I do enjoy. I'm just not going full, full heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rassi, I would say, is de- I had the inaugural um, 
I had a little sample and I shared it with Leanne from Scotch in the Bayou. And I would say, and I don't know how heavily peated that was. I don't know how that factors in the grand scheme, but um, that was eye-opening for me. Is it just heavy peat you've got an, a problem with, or are you, are you okay with lighter peat like Springbank or? Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm all good on Springbank. I was about to say, yeah. I'd be worried if that wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see Ardnaho, um, Roy, when we, we do go to Isla. And it, 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 it reminded me of the video that you did, right, where you were talking about if I was going to make a distillery and how much mm. it, it kind of met your criteria. So I, I kind of feel like I've had that answer from you on if you were going to make a distillery, what might it Well, here's an interesting, can I, can I interject? Because I think this is a fabulous topic, Gregor. I think the problem I've had in the past with asking this question to people is they start with the minutiae. They start with the tiny details and they uh -huh. build up from there. I think it's much more fun to start with the much more broad brush. Would you put it in Scotland, for example, and then right. use a funnel type system to get it down to the minutiae? How would you structure it? Because people always say, well, I would have worm tubs. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, they, <laughs> and they, kind of, they, go, they go from there. It's like that's, that's the condensing the spirit is literally the last step. And yet that's kind of weird. I suppose working backwards is fine. But I mean, it, I, I would, we, we could ask, you know, would, would Rob put it in England or, or that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, we can st just happy to just kick it around the now. This can, we can have a, a, a second follow up. Um, but I did want to kick it around for a bit. That's um, a good one, what, yeah. What What are the criteria points? Without going too minutia, but yeah, like, a bit like you say, big broad brush strokes. Um, what about you, Rob? Where would you put it? There's a good one. I don't, I just, yeah, I've never really thought about it. I mean, I'm not really like really clued up on the whole terroir like of whiskey, and obviously that would play a big part. Um, but obviously, instinct. I my I love Scotch, so I'd want to be as close to Scotch as I possibly can. But then you look at Japanese whiskey and they in the north I think it was is it the north of Japan it's on the same plane as Scotland so it actually has a very similar climate so it has a it has its similar qualities but it's not the same spirit and it's not the same profile so yeah maybe I'll add something along those lines maybe if it doesn't have to be in Scotland but if it's if if, if that is kind of like um the Goldilocks line of the of the globe is from where Scotland is, just around, just have a look and see what, what whatever what, what else uh, crops up. Well, I, I that think band, in, that bandwidth that bandwidth stops just at the at Hadrian's Wall. Uh, yeah. Rob. <laughs> 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 well, I, I mean, I mean, having said that, I've been really, really enjoying uh, the English whiskey, and I've been sipping oh, tonight. I... However, I think by implication, Rob, what you're talking about there is what you're going to try to recreate is Scotch whiskey or a Scotch whiskey style, which is why. Uh, which is why Masataka Takatsuru built Yoichi up in Hokkaido in Japan in order to try and get as close to what he perceived to be uh, the, the closest to a Scottish climate on, in Japan. And But that's because you can make whiskey in any climate. What, what Takatsuru was trying to do and what you're talking about, I think, is to try and make something that resembles scotch. That is some, a spirit that's made laid down in a cask for a long time in a cool, humid climate. That's what brings that specific style of whiskey. And if you're trying to make that, then you're kind of stuck 
if you're if you're building your dream distillery and you're trying to make that type of product, you have to put it in an environment that kind of mimics or matches that, right? Whether it's Canada, Japan, or yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's um because it's already been proven with Japan so successfully. I think it's it'd be interesting in how far you could push it. Yeah, to try and I mean, mimic Scotch I, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose in terms of building a dream distillery, then what you would be interested in trying to do is trying to get something close to scotch. That's what your your dream distillery is, something that's going to make a scotch-like product, I think. Um, which is interesting because lots of distilleries the world over have kind of, in Southern Hemisphere, Japan, eh, North America, Canada, right across Europe, um, you know, those people that set out to try and make um, a style the same as the kind of traditional Scotch style. Maybe you could argue the same as a traditional Irish style. Obviously, Irish tends to be associated with triple distillation. But a lot of them are doing it in continental Europe. They're, 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 they're distilling in the same way that you would distill eau de vie or, or schnapps or fruit-based spirits. So that gives it a different style. It gives it a different... The whiskey takes on a different character completely. So, and even if you do do it exactly blueprint, copy and paste scotch, it's interesting that depending on where you are, you know, from a climatic point of view, from a terroir, as you mentioned there, although we have to be careful, we have to always use that word with a small t, provenance, uh, location, microclimate, whatever, whatever it is, the whiskey takes on a different character. It's fascinating to me. But I suppose your dream, would it be true that all of our dream distilleries would be built in Scotland? It would be pick, It would be putting out single malt for me for sure. Um, and I think I would want it to be in Scotland. I think I'd want to retire there so I'd attack on a little, a wee bothy, a wee, a wee whitewashed end that I could live in. Uh, what about you, Jason? What, what, what's your criteria? If you were gonna, if you've you've just suddenly hit a a pool of money and you can start something up, uh, what does it start to look like, or what's your aim? Being Inverness, I could tell you that now. Uh-huh. So <laughs> there's a well, there is a new distillery coming in Inverness, but there's um, I think it's just a shame that you know there isn't one there at the moment. Um, so I think there needs to be one. So I would do that, and I would probably just look to the past and. Uh, I like almost like the accidents of distilleries. So the the Springbanks, the Mortlacks, the Ben Rennesses, where it's a little bit convoluted and a little bit archaic, and nobody could quite figure out why they did it, what why they did, but um, it turns out well. Whereas yeah. now everything's two stills, you know, condensers. Roy mentioned worm tubs, of course. You know, everything's very methodical and scientific, and Sometimes there's a, a mad professor way, a bit like Balcones probably when they started out. You know, you just want, let's just do it our way and see what happens, like Smogan as well, you know. Uh, he was yeah. told he couldn't do X, Y, Z. He did it the way he felt it should be done, and it's turned out brilliantly. So I think that would be what I would do. Um, I would not listen to any whiskey consultants. I would just um, go with go with what you think's best. And Let- yeah. See what Let happens. the whiskey take care of itself. Yeah, yeah. Or I could buy, I could yeah. buy Milburn and just um, <laughs> just cut it out and redo it. I guess possibly. No, so so let me just let me just pause there. You obviously mentioned the Invernesian distilleries. I think that's quite an interesting one because 
Glen Albyn's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Melbourne, is it still standing? Yeah, it's a hotel restaurant, so it's partially still standing. The, I'd probably say about 60% of it's still there. Okay, so Glen Albyn's gone and Glenvor are, are gone, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, that's quite a nice thing in itself. And, if, you know, if, if, if distilling can return to Glasgow again, if distilling can return to Fife, widespread distilling right across Fife, why can't it? Why can't it return to Inverness? It's, I think it's one of Scotland's prettiest cities too. Yeah, I think that's really yeah. great about the one that's going in Campbelltown as well. Which is it, Delray? Uh, Dalrieta. Yeah, yeah, that Dalrieta. one. Yeah, I couldn't remember how to say it. Um, you know, Campbelltown, fantastic skill set there. Who love their whiskey? Why on earth don't we have more distilleries in Campbelltown? So, really looking forward. That's another distillery I'm excited about. But if but don't you think there's much more distilleries springing up out of passion rather than out of a f- sound financial business case that you would expect? I mean, sure, that's happening too, the investment and things that's coming in. But rather than just, um, you know, corporations saying, right, we need to make more whiskey, let's build uh, let's build a distillery on this kind of greenfield site or brownfield site, whatever it is. What we're seeing now is all these projects popping up from people who want to make whiskey for whiskey's sake. That's kind of fascinating, right? There's There's a climate right now that's encouraging people um, to bring forward, you know, it's, we, we hesitate to use the words craft and artisanal, but they are real words and in the right, used in the right context, they're applicable here, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think um, going back to Dornock, that was their motivation, their whiskey geeks. They wanted to revive the old style, you know. Yes, it's not the most efficient way to do something. Yes, there's um, more efficient grains or yields and things out there. But, you know, and yes, you could cut fermentation time and all these things to save costs you'd still have a whiskey at the end of the day but it wouldn't be the whiskey that motivated you or uh, captivated Mm. your imagination so i think people like that and as you say other new distilleries those are the ones that interest me the ones that it's a passion project rather than a a money-making exercise um those are the people that yeah okay like killowen in ireland for goodness sake you know what he's doing there uh fantastic you know and that's pretty much out of a shed almost i think looking at the photographs and and i think we're we're keen because we know what what's going into it we're we're keen and we're happy to pay a wee bit more we're happy to pay a premium knowing that backstory um and we don't always need to judge it uh, by the same measures and metrics as the other whiskies that have perhaps come out of distilleries that are far more focused on meeting targets for efficiency and things. Mm-hmm. Um, we are well, keen to the, kind of support that. The, the Diageo price rises when they hit, you know, um, allegedly. <laughs> you know, why allegedly, on earth is this, yeah. a, a 16-year-old Lagavulin, why does it need to shoot up in price so much? Why does the 18 Talisker need to shoot up in price so much? Uh, it's uh, you know it's not because the whiskey's improved overnight let's be honest is it it's got nothing to do with that it's it's money and shareholders and all these things which don't interest me anymore whatsoever yeah i mean sometimes we have to remember that businesses are businesses you know the whiskey making industry is the same as any other they have to make money and they have shareholders and they have and, you know, there is a desire to kind of charge what the market will stand, charge what the market will pay, all of that stuff. But I think there's a very short-term-minded attitude there because they'll come unstuck very quickly when all of these much, much more densely flavoured, much more characterful, much more high-quality whiskies come along at the same price as them. 
yeah, that Tianic review that came in today from Wally, who's an Egypt. Um, <laughs> he would, uh, you know, that was. I quite, uh, I quite like him. <laughs> Wally, don't listen to him. You're loved. You're dearly what, loved. Wally. What was that? I mean, that's. It was a, I remember it. it was a bottle that interests me, but it was a 17 year old. And what was it? Upwards of 200 pounds? It was uh, a retail, like, that Chininic 2017, 17 year old, yeah, for 200 years of. Of the distillery, right? They they put out a seventeen year old whiskey. Okay, it was fully natural cast strength. They obviously picked it to be representative and quite interesting. Uh, there's an untold story behind that that it was one of the last batches made pre mash filter. Um, so they use a hammer mill and a mash filter now at Chinenix since two thousand. So that was I think a early two thousand or a nineteen ninety nine distillate. So it was the kind of last of the old, if you like. But they put it out to market with a fairly large outturn. We don't know how large it is, but there's plenty of it around. At £275. £275 for a 17-year-old whiskey. Okay, it's cast strength. It's ridiculous. And you know why it's ridiculous? Because five years later, today, you can still hop into retail outlets and pick it up off the shelf. It's just been gathering dust. And and if there's a flash sale and a special release, there's a good chance that that's going to be it. Um, I picked mine up ridiculously cheap at auction. It's still available at auction secondary market, losing losing people money right now. It's just, I don't know where they got the pricing from in that one. But yeah, you're right. It's just like, well, you, 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 people know what the products are. People are becoming more and more informed all the time. People are know when they need to pay more money for something special. And I think if you try and convince people that it's special by pricing it, and not making it special to back up that price, I think you're going to come unstuck very quickly in the modern era. Very quickly. Boom. There's big, big, massive pregnant pause. Full stop there. What was that? No, it was good. So, so it's, I mean, what, so I mean, hard. what is the market for that release? You've priced yourself out with the people who are interested in it. Other people aren't going to buy it because of the name. It's just sitting there, as you say, cast adrift, going nowhere at all. Um, it's just, bad management by Diageo yet again. Yeah, I think I think I think it's a good example <laughs> where decisions are getting made for who, right? Like um in my uh job, my day job, you know, you're often asked like who's that for? Who's the consumer? What mm-hmm. is, you know, and if if mm-hmm. the product doesn't can't answer it or what you've done on the shelf can't answer it, someone's upped up. So I Absolutely. Yeah. Does it ever get past the point of is it for us to make money rather than for the consumer to enjoy? I think at the moment with the uh, the whole in the investment market and the secondary market, I think that's a big big driver right now on these pricings. I but wonder. Is it, do you think? Do you think there is? It was just sore. Would you think there is backroom closed door discussions about targeting something for investor market to build, you know, a brand um, cache or? Mm, let me tell you, I mean, there's a, there, there's there's dangerous chats to have here, isn't there? Because from none Good. of us four, as I'm aware, <laughs> we none of us work in the industry, so we're very much taking a position of an observer, an enthusiast from the outside looking in. But I know from my professional job, your professional job potentially, Gregor, I don't know, but you know that there's a huge element of creating demand by implying a limited supply right sure if you 
if you say that something is in limited supply, that it's scarcity, rarity, or it's just it's not available for everybody, you know, there's that seems to be the biggest kind of cynicism that's happening right now in whiskey that people are saying that oh no it's priced for this because of demand and that's real that's real you know because what happens is that there's a parcel of stock and they say right okay we want this well sorry there isn't enough you can't have that and they say okay we'll pay more suddenly you can have it right so demand does push prices up but to release a product let's say and then control the demand only make a portion of it available to the market and hold back so that it appears to be sold out and then carefully distribute it either through drip feeding or through a geographical distribution. That's happening right now in order to justify inflated prices. I believe that's just my cynicism looking at this thing. And I think that that's dangerous because it's very easy then for new distilleries to come in and make for much, much better product, make money undercutting these inflated mm-hmm. prices. And it's happening faster than anybody's willing to admit right now. There's so many new distilleries. Recent 18-year-old that's by my foot at the moment it could be deemed an example of that. Oh, I think you're talking about the Tamdu 18. Yeah. Do you know why that's a shame? Because, and, and by the way, I have no intelligence on that whatsoever. Yeah. None at all. But I, it's a shame because Tamdu is a beautiful distillery with a beautiful story of renaissance. It's fantastic. The whiskey is wonderful. The, 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 the way they go about making the product is brilliant. I, I love it. I was right behind Tamdu from the get-go. And then suddenly they bring out an 18-year-old and it's like, it's like being betrayed because you, you, you thought you had something and it was immediately taken away with you with one release. The 15-year-old was already a bit pricey, but we, we forgave it. We gave it a go because it was good whiskey. That 18-year-old is very good whiskey. You and I both tasted that, Jason, and we both enjoyed it. But we both had to caveat our reviews with, who's going to pay 140 mm-hmm. quid for this? I thought It, it apparently sold out. Yep, yep. It apparently sold out in its first day. On most mm. outlets, you're kidding me on. You, we don't know what the outturn is. I've not searched for it since, but really, was, was it was it that limited, or was it one of these kind of controlled supply type things? Who it, it remains to be seen. But what is true is that if it did sell out in its first day, there is far too many people out there with far too much money to throw at whiskey, and they're very very easily led. Because that is a wonderful whiskey for 95 quid. <laughs> I'll see it. It's 95 quid. If that was 95 pounds, I would buy it. And that's kind of pricey for an 18-year-old. But I would buy it. It's good whiskey. It's not 140 quid whiskey. Um, and can I just say, I know people within that organization that I would, I'm would i very friendly with. My opinion is not a condition of friendship, I hope. Mm-hmm. I am here as a commentator and I stand with my audience, with my enthusiast audience. And I think, I know I speak for them. They're looking at it and thinking the same thing. We are not lighting up the airwaves, raving about the, the Tamdu 18-year-old. We're not talking about it. We are not talking about it because I don't gone. know anybody that's bought it. I don't know anybody that's bought it. I don't know anybody that's opening it and drinking it. Maybe it'll be a different prospect in other markets where the pricing is a different, uh, a different base level. I don't know. 
Sorry to get negative, Gregor, buddy. I know you like your podcast to be positive. It's all good. But we have to we have we have to take shortcuts through the mud every now and again. No, absolutely. Right? And you know, I often hear you and others talk about or in the same way, and you have we all have this relationship with a distillery or, or the people that are making it and the, ultimately the product. And then there's this disconnect, right? To then ultimately like the marketing or the price point. And it gets, it's, yeah, that, it's yeah. a bit like, I'm just thinking, it's almost like uh, Stranger Things, where there's uh, Hawkins' normal world, right? <laughs> That's where we all live and we love yeah. everything and we love the people that are making the whiskey. And then in this uh, under, what do they call it? The, the down on, the, the, I forget what they call it. The, the upside, upside down. down in the, the upside down is where yeah. all the marketing decisions are made and they take it somewhere else. It's, it's sad. I'm I'm suddenly I'm suddenly doubting that whether it is actually called the upside down. Yeah, all my I kids, think it is. Yeah, all my never kids seen it. Oh, Jason, you'd like um, it. You would like it. Well, I, I tell you why I love it because I've now my ten-year-old son is listening to Kate Bush right now. Yeah, because he's been introduced through Stranger Things, so I love it now. I love just love that that that's happening. Um, I'm on the. Anyway, is it Bad Boys and the Pistols? I think both of them are. Uh, Bad Boys is pretty hilarious. I I've seen say. it. I've not. I've uh, not come to that that's yet. That's quite interesting. But, yeah. Is it not just called The Boys? Oh, The Boys. The boys I think yeah, it meant sorry, like, the boys, yeah, yeah, sorry. The Boys, yeah. yeah the Boys is fantastic. That is a good series. That's dark as hell. I mean, it's twisted it's, yeah. as hell as, as well. Yeah. Oh, here's one, here's one. Um, but it's, spin, it, off, spin off that uh, stream of consciousness and bringing it back to whiskey. Uh, well, I just finished watching the Water of Life documentary. Um, I'm kind of getting, I'm, I'm, I'm ex- hyping myself up for the impending trip. And um, I think I need to go and rewatch Angel's Share. Um What's oh, your, oh, yeah, what's great your favorite either whiskey documentary or whiskey film between you? Easy. Easy. A whiskey galore, my God. Whiskey galore. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful. Did they, it's wonderful did they remake to that? watch. Did they not? Yes, they did. They made it with uh, a fantastic comedian in the UK called Eddie Izzard and um, and I, I think it was a it was a bang average film. Unfortunately, they just as always as can be the case with these things. When so the original, um, yeah, but the original nineteen forty nine, uh, Compton McKenzie, uh, based on the book um, or based on the shipwreck of the the Polly the Polly it was called, but it's Polly short for something. Oh God, it's I forget such an old brain now. Um, but just it's just it's like. That watching that movie is like sitting on the sofa late at night when everybody else is in bed and just letting waves of imagined nostalgia washing over you. Because, of course, I wasn't, despite how I look, I wasn't <laughs> alive in 1949. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's just this, there's this very, you can still recognize a lot of the kind of cultural behaviors and considerations and sensibilities. You, you just know that, that a lot of those kind of attitudes existed in things. Um, it's uh, just a fabulous, fabulous film. Whiskey galore! It's Jason. Easy. What about you? Um, I think I'd probably be more of a documentary type, uh-huh. but I, I like Whiskey Galore, the original. Yeah, but I can't think of one off the top of my head that really does it. I think a lot of these recent modern films have been quite disappointing for uh-huh. me. It, they just seem to f- interview the same people who say the same things, and I lose interest in them. So. Um, I think there's a definite gap in the market, though. Um, certainly doing my historical research, you know, it'd be great to have old footage or uh, an old... I'm sure there are some old shows of the BBC or something going to Isla and how, you know, these sort of YouTube... They're on YouTube, these short 10, 15-minute 
trips back oh. in time. Um, yeah, I know the one you mean, whisk, the yeah. Whiskey Island, the one with yeah. Bessie mm. Williamson in it. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, that terrific. was terrific. You need to watch that, Greg. I don't think I have. It's black and white. Oh, I, it's I think it's I think it's Pathy. I think it's British Pathy. But if you just do a search for the Whiskey Island. It's from 65, 1965. If I we think. can remember, we should like put a, a link in on under this podcast of that yes, one. Um, yes, yes. I would say, Jason, the two... Whoever's, whoever's doing the editing, note to yes, editor, put, put a link in. Note to Future Roy. Um, uh, Jason, well, I, I, from my memory, the, I think the, the, the two documentaries that stood out, uh, there was one, it was a three-parter, I think they, they did it on Amazon, or they broke it into three parts. I forget the little Scottish actor or... I can't remember his Brian Cox. Nah, 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 nah. Um, oh no, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't that Brian Cox did the addiction one. Um, I know who you mean, and he was the one that talked about when English yeah. whiskey went down to the English <laughs> whiskey company, and he said they're even making it here. Uh, the cheeky bastard. I was just trying to Google. I thought that, that was, was a good one, but I think That's from memory, me. the one, the two that stood out uh, was neat. The story of bourbon is a really, really good one, um, and there's quite powerful points in that. Um, if you've not seen that, Rob, that's that's definitely worth a watch. It, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, they, I mean, they, I'm the same vein with uh, Jason. I prefer, especially in this kind of like with oh. whiskey, I prefer the, the yeah. fact over fiction. I mean, I enjoyed the Angel Share film; it was really, really good. But I really enjoy like the the history of it all. I mean, I, the one that really sprung to mind was the. Um, the, the, I think they classify it as a short film. It's just an ad uh, for, uh, but it was for um, Uncle Nearest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. fantastic. I mean, yeah. the, the production for that, and obviously, the I can't remember the chap's name, the American actor. Has, um, oh, the actor. Um, I, but the, the guy was called Nearest, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah, yeah. He obviously famously trained um, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Jack, Uncle uh, Jack Daniels. Um, yeah. But the uh, the actor, story. It, it is absolutely fantastic. Well, the, yeah. the girls have been over to Scotland marketing Uncle Nearest Bourbon. I bought a bottle of bourbon from them. At, uh, I think it was the Falkirk Festival, and they are amazing to talk to as well. They're just so alive and so passionate and so right into this telling the story that everybody's shocked by. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's that's a that's a good show. That's a thing. They had a stand at the Leeds Festival right next to the front door, and you couldn't get in. To the rest of the festival, everybody people stood, blocked their stood around. Yeah, 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 it was. You will, you need to figure out. You need to get that link, and I'll pop that in uh, as well. I w- yeah, thinking absolutely. about the video question again. Didn't Netflix have an episode? It must have been part of a crime series, or you wouldn't believe, or something. And oh, it was about the wild turkey. Yes, the the bourbon. I've not watched. That was I, fun to somebody watch. Somebody told me about that, and I've not. The wild turkey. There was a bit. Uh, there's, yeah, there you go. I know. That, I know. There's, the, there's, a, there's something on Netflix about the. Um, the bourbon heist with yeah uh, that's it oh yeah. with um yeah so basically uh, they're golf. rolling out casts of, you know if you wanted a cast yeah. from wild turkey and you knew the right person they were rolling them at the back door for you um oh. and it's the, the puppy heist puppies as well yeah so that that's yeah. that was a good watch actually yeah that was actually was that? really interesting remember, uh, what was that is it like true crimes or something i don't know that, somebody put that on my radar, and I meant to go and follow up, and I never watched it, so I can't even remember the name of the show. Well, I remember when uh, it came out, and uh, I had every, every one of my family going like, "Oh, you know whiskey? Have you seen this documentary? It's really interesting." And it it, it was it was fantastic because it was it might be true crime think, type thing. Yeah, yeah, it was because it, it, it was the thing it was it was like 
positioned in like a, a true crime show, but it was a uh, I think a guy worked there at the distillery and he was just taking bottles, taking bottles of huh. Eagle Rare Home, and then it started bumping up to cases and then barrels and yeah. right ah. Uh. I, I I need to hunt that one out. The other the other documentary that was good. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called. I think it's is it a golden dream whiskey? A golden dream, almost like the precursor to the water of life. It does quite heavily focus on Bruchladi, I think, from memory. Roy, can you remember that documentary? I didn't. I didn't see that one. But That's I know the one you're one. talking about. Um, and that then there's the, the Amber Light. Have you spoken about the Amber Light as well? No. The one with Dave Brimman as well. Um, okay. There's, there's ah. been quite a few around, but, but you know what we need is something that's a wider release. Uh, it's tough to f- strike a balance between mass market appeal and a you know good, good juicy kind of enthusiast engagement as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's some really good uh, suggestions there of uh, documentaries and films. We'll, we'll try and figure out a way of sharing that list, maybe in the blurb under yeah, this. We will. Yeah, I think I think that's a good one. Um, I did want to ask Jason. I couldn't remember. I think we posed this question on podcast one, but I think it was maybe coined like, "What would be your your desert island cask?" I don't know either desert island yes. cask or whiskey, but just just double checking, Jason. Because you might it might have changed. What would be your desert island whiskey, and why? All right. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I'd probably go with a Glenvore ten year old um, from the nineteen sixties. Trying to get a picture of it for you. Um, I just started googling it to see if you could buy one, but I don't think you'd be able to afford one from that era. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're looking at the whiskey exchange, they tend to overcharge for their bottles greatly. Um, that one, but um, yeah, that's way overpriced at two and a half thousand pounds. But um, that one, and there's, there's there's a really famous Italian collector who's passed now, but I think his collections in. Um, Holland. I keep wanting to say Zagatti, but I'm probably wrong. Um, and he had all these bottles and an amazing array of whiskies and taste and experience. And yet the one he kept going back to was that one, which was a, a humble 10 year old, which obviously now is worth silly money, but that's the one I would lean to. But if you're asking me for a more accessible, affordable, I probably would have said the Talisker 10 or 18 of recent times. Mm but not the way they're going now. So, um, right. yeah, the, the, the it, things have shifted. Yeah. Definitely. So. Even I can tell. But, but on that Glenvor, would, what, what's, I was going to ask you the why, why that, what, what is it about that for you? About that juice? I think it's, I think it's probably a, from a lot of distilleries of that period, floor malted, handcraft, well, hand, well, not handcrafted, but you know, human, the human element of it. Uh, and it's just a very characterful Highland style that you don't really see now at all, or you don't actually. Um, so it's yeah, I actually don't. Ha- I actually don't have a bottle of that one, but we'll see. I've got the late the seventies ten year old, which is still really nice in the Jura sort of shape bottle. But there's something about that previous release which was really good. But uh, one day maybe I'll uh, I'll get that one. So for to me, it's it's that. And that one was probably widely distributed rather than me picking out a single cask from, you know, an Italian import or something like that. You know, that one was available, but 
price-wise in the last four years, it's probably gone up, you know, crazy amount now. So that's the end of that. So that would and be my that one. To say then, is that to say that Talisker and so on is the closest you can find to that, or are they completely different criterias? Completely different. I just like Talisker, or did. Um, I'm not a fan of some of their more recent releases, but I've always liked a good Talisker, and especially the 18 as well. I mean, a lot of people probably could say the Highland Park 18 as it was maybe 10 years ago, which is a classic dram, and you used to be able to get for 60 quid or something at that time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was in every bar of in in Scotland. You were guaranteed pretty much to get a, a Highland Park eighteen, and it was like an event whiskey almost, but it didn't cost the earth. So that 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 would be another one. I remember chatting to someone from Highland Park that works there. He's worked there for a long time, and he laments when um, at one point the eighteen was it was in the bracket of bottles that they could buy at like employee discount. He <laughs> um, must have been drinking it like water back then <laughs> i think i think it's only the the, the the 12 now that they get included in there you go um so listeners we 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 uh prefaced the podcast with the the ask that you might need some tissues um and we've got some news to share that might make some some cry might make justine laugh i don't know um <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking uh, yeah, Ju- Justine was Roy- supposed to be here tonight. She was supposed to join us, but just before we started to record tonight, we got a message to say that she was stuck. Uh, she's she couldn't she couldn't join us, so she sends her apologies. So the truth is, she would she was no. The truth is, she was she was too worried she'd get overwhelmed by emotion. Um, <laughs> so Roy, I'll, I'll I'll pass it over to you. What what news have you got to share? Uh, well, I'm not going to actually release the news, but what I'm going to do is is I'm going to suggest that it's. It's not time for tissues and sadness. It's actually time for a wee bit of celebration because this bad news has actually spawned a lot of good things. And that's kind of what I'm going to focus on here because I need to reflect a wee bit as well and what it means to me. So I'm just going to open this bottle that was gifted to me um, and and kind for quite recently, but it's a tremendous gift. It's a 25-year-old Capardonic Um uh, yeah, a 1994 Capardonic, so maybe about eight or so years before it was closed. But it spent all its 25 years in second fill ex-bourbon right mm. up my street. So that is what the noise is. And it is the bottle. That, that's the bottle. That's the genuine bottle making that noise. That's not me. Um, but that's what I'm going to pour because, like I say, I don't want this news to be something to be kind of sad about i want it to i just want to be grateful for 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 what we created um so i'll i'll hand it over to our illustrious editor jason and i'll just just tell us what's happened what's happened what's happened i don't know i'm, I'm worried about justine to be honest with you because <laughs> <laughs> what's she doing why is she not here <laughs> She's stuck in the vicinity that I live in, so I'm 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 wondering what's happening there. But uh, no, no. Um, oh yeah. Th- yeah. The reality is, um, I'm stepping back for family. Um, I, you know, the site has, um, you know, we didn't really have any aspirations as to where we would be or what it would become, or any time frame. And it's, as I think Rob said in an earlier episode, it, the takeoff of it has been quite um well spellbinding at times um you know it's flown and for me i know that i can't 
I think we're probably where we are now after six months or whatever, um, where I might have seen ourselves after 18 months or something like that. So that we're doing mm-hmm. so well, and that's a credit not to me, but to everyone else. But I, I know that comes with, you know, more workload and pressure and responsibility. And I know at the moment my family need me and it's, 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 I not going to pretend that the easiest decision would be to continue, but the right decision is actually to say, you know what, you guys are good enough to run the ship. I'll still be around. I'll still be there. If somebody wants to, um, you know, chat something over or get some input, no problem at all. Um, I'll still be around for the podcast if, uh, Gregor would like that. Uh, and I might find the opportunity to write something which I haven't done for a wee bit because I'm a bit snowed under after my trip for, to Inverness for a distillery. Um, so all things aside, it is the right thing to do. Um, as sad as it is, but it, it is the right thing. Um, and yeah, um, can look back, um, proud of um, what this is and uh, you know can sit back with everyone else and just watch it head off in a exciting direction I think so that was it really it's quite a bit quite a big quite a big news quite a big news however it might not be news on this podcast it might be that the first time you've heard that that it's on this podcast it might be that we've been uh, actually organized and we've we've released something to tell people that it's happening through an email blast or an article or something um but it it took me a wee while uh, to to process it i think the best thing to do is maybe to come back to me for comment after what's happened jason is that um we put word out to the team first we told the team that that was happening obviously and uh, some of the team chose to take to Dramaphone. Yes. <laughs> Instead of having a community Dramaphone, what we actually do is we have a Dramaphone. I see you smiling. We've got him smiling, boys. Mm. <laughs> what a terrific thing. We've got um, a Dramaphone. Tonight, tonight on yeah. This Is Your Life. <laughs> <laughs> do well, you remember is... your primary one teacher? <laughs> oh. Um what I'll do, Roy. I'm happy. I've got them. On, I think I've got them to hand. So we've got yeah, a few me- a few messages, Jason. Yeah. So here we go. Try this. Hang on. Hello, John Facers. How's everyone doing? It's Ryan here. Just wanted to record a quick message for Jason and bid him a farewell. So Jason, we'll miss you dearly on John Face and the amount of reviews you've pumped out since its inception. It's been an honour and a load of fun to work with you. I wish you all the very best for the future. I look forward to what projects you release for us all. Hope to share a jam with you one day. Slauncher. Ah, terrific, Brian. Terrific. I thought that was Phil there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I, I, nice message. I'm currently in a discussion with Phil right now where he's trying to access the Dramaphone, but he realises that he needs to be a member in order to do so, so I've had to send him uh, the uh, writers of Dramface get free membership, of course. Um, I've sent him uh, how to do that, whether or not he's able to achieve it while we're live. Fantastic. Well done, Ryan. Here we go. Number two, if that's not choking you up already, Jason. We've got four. Spoiler, Jason. Hi, Jason. It's Adam from Canada. I just wanted to say thanks for taking me on board the team and that it's been great working with you on Dranface. Your unique and independent voice is very important for the whiskey community, especially for those looking to cut through the noise. We'll keep on trying to meet the high standard you have set. All the best. 
Oh, so yeah. that's what that's what Adam sounds like. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> we um, you know, like every, we you you talk to these people on WhatsApp. You you see them right. You get a feel for them, but you you don't. And you obviously you probably know what they look like, but you never hear them. So that's it. Another nice message, thank you. So I, li- I, sure liked, we'll I liked his little quote there about cutting through the noise as well. It's, I think There's that's a lot important. of noise and now. That's yeah. what independent uh, voices need to do. I think that's their job. Cutting through the noise. Um, number three, Jason. Okay, this seems to work. Yeah, what to say? I really don't know. Maybe um, this is not a farewell, but a goodbye. And I look forward to reading your next rant here on Dramface. Thanks very much for all the work you've put into this, for all the great efforts, for your kind advice, for your availability, for everything. Great job and good luck with whatever you're up to next. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. Hey, that's nice as well. So that we've got a continental accent there as well. Obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's terrific. That's that's obviously Benny. That's superb. That's tremendous. And obviously, you're hearing them as as who they actually are. Um, you don't necessarily know who they are writing as as, a, as an alias. And we'll round out with the last one, Jason. Hi, Jason. Gordon here. Just a quick message to say thanks for all that you've done for Dramface getting up and running and setting the standards that we can all use moving forward. Um, all the best in all that you do and hopefully see you in the real world at some point. Thanks. Nice. Ah, cool. terrific. That's our Gordon. So we know who Gordon is and we know who he writes under, but we'll not let that cat out of that bag tonight. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, think that's... he lives too far from me either, but um, he's been, uh, they've all been, everybody's been a pleasure to work with um, and a really good team. And I think, I think as well, probably we should mention that obviously we haven't been publishing daily recently we've been having weekends off which is the holiday season and also you know dram face has always been about quality and not quantity uh i think that's important and that distinguishes in the market if it were um you know and also we value our writers and their time so you know we don't want people writing when they don't feel motivated or have that inspiration or drive. So I think that comes through. So forgive us if we have a few days off here and there, but the content's <laughs> coming in. Um, and, you know, I think less is more in a way. And if, if it's good content, you come back for good content. But if you're Absolutely. just getting poor, shambolic, ranty stuff, you're not going to go back to that. And I think that's one of the things a lot of us have picked up on about Dramface, not because of me, not because of uh, Roy or anybody, it's because they recognise the quality and uh, the voice and the individuality of the people that comes through. So that's 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 down to everybody. We're not doing anything new, but we're certainly doing it in a unique way, I think. Um, yeah, the, the team's been fantastic. We've managed to kind of, there's a couple of people that have been around but there's so many people that are completely new and loving it. Um, for me, I mean, the summer lull is part of it. Whiskey, you know, we see it across the YouTube community. We see it across all social media and things. In summertime, there is a lull in whiskey. It seems to pick up in, in autumn through to spring. That's its busy season. But honestly, I'll, I'll, th- I'll say that what's actually happened, Jason, is that when uh, what we see now is is the net effect of, of Jason not contributing, right? you were contributing so prolifically that we we were able to go to daily output very, very quickly, much, much earlier than anticipated. 
And without that, what we've realised, and it's good that it's happened in summer, that we do need to cut back and we're not going to be able to put out on weekends. But that's okay because we do need to look after the writing team. We do need to make sure that we put quality first. And that's worked out pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the door's always be... open. That's Yeah, yeah. When we're, when we're short of content, we'll say, hey, Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> even, felt... even to new people, you know, if someone's yeah. got that itch. It's, That's right. Go for it. You know, we've had a, a couple recently, and if if you're sitting on a beach in Ibiza or uh, probably in a queue in an airport or something like that, <laughs> um, you know, and you've got a bit of spare time, then you know, write That's something right. out and uh, see where right. it takes you. You know, it's good fun, and we will find ways to kind of connect the team and bring this kind of disparate group of people right across the globe together. And we can do these things virtually now. It's going to be fun to do in the future. I need to make a few comments. I need to say a few words as well, Jason. I think that what you believe you've brought to Dramface and what you actually brought to Dramface are probably a wee bit different. I think that uh, way back in the beginning, when I was finally at the point that I wanted to voice what I envisaged Dramface could be, you were the obvious person to turn to. And you'll remember our first discussion, our first to and fro was very much about you just kind of giving advice and helping out. I think that I was really encouraged by your enthusiasm about it, your belief in it. The fact that you then jumped on board, not just as a consultant, but actually as an active participant, contributor, editor, pulling a team together, organizing the scheduling, doing all of the backroom stuff made it very, very easy for me. And what you actually did in the early days of Dramface was fill um, the sales of the team and certainly me full of confidence. That's what you did. That's what you brought. That's what your experience brought on on board. Mm -hmm. When you finally decided that it was time for you to step back, my first response to you was I, I knew. I knew that it was a finite resource we were tapping into. But you got it to a point that I wasn't scared about doing it. I was happy to be doing it um, and taking it forward and and seeing how it is. The fact that we can leave the door open for you, that you can drop in and uh, involve yourself at whatever level you want to do, Mm -hmm. joining in podcasts and writing, whatever it is, is just a testament to the fact that we all believe that we're doing a good thing. Time is a precious resource for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you've given this much more time than we could have reasonably asked of you. So I'm going to raise this wee glass of 25-year-old ex-bourbon, second fill bourbon, and say, Jason, Dallas, Judd <laughs> Red, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's been a Cheers, pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, Jason. Well, that's it. You know, um, thank you very much for all that. I'm sure some people might want to say some other things, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's. I think I think the noise is is quite right. People people need a dram face at the moment. I think, especially with the prices, the choice, and I'm sorry, not everything deserves to be bottled or charged accordingly. So, I think we all there's a real interest and. The momentum's there. The winds and the sails. This podcast seems to be popular with people. God knows why. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. It feels like so a hangout, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the podcast wasn't even envisaged um, when the original blueprint. Well, we kicked around it, hadn't we? <laughs> to a certain extent. 
Oh, what I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I know Jason, we haven't like officially worked together, um, which actually probably a, a blessing, really, because I'm terrified of my own writing. So to have you critique it and edit it <laughs> would have been terrifying. So, uh, but the fact that we've been able to like connect through the podcast has been a blessing, really. I think it's it's it kind of shows the whole idea of having the anonymity with the with the the website it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain through this and but yeah it's been great but just to say like to have you on board and when Roy first mentioned it that you were like one of the fourth people like leading the charge with this and then to see in action it's been outstanding and it's all been proven by the fact that we've had so many people come on board and and not just on on the edit the writing writing team but also like the 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 readership and pe- the people actually like reading the website and uh, reading the articles it's just been a true yeah. testament to like what you've done with fur is in there and and what what's what's really employed me and encouraged me is that 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 serendipity because jason was available when we started this that was serendipitous right rob you were available i put a message out in the facebook group right and I took it down three minutes later because you were suddenly popped up and you were available. <laughs> I approached Gregor and I said, eh, you know, I think that you might be good at this and things. And um, I, I hope you're enjoying that, Gregor. I think we've got this kind of nice organic feel right now. And because of the foundation that Jason's given us, I think we're all kind of in a much more comfortable position than we were at the start. I think we feel comfortable to step in and do each other's roles a little bit. I think that what we've had is where we've seen bottlenecks and, and need a need for extra support and things that's just naturally happened. It's come around. Mm-hmm. Jason's got a workflow in place that we can follow. He's got an ethos in place, how far ahead we need to schedule, what we prioritize, how we treat writing teams, how we respect people, how we never make demands, how we're always there to support each other. All of that culture is laid down and it's ready. Um, and now in this position going forward, I am a wee bit daunted because it is workload. There's no doubt how much hours you've put into this, Jason. I will never cease to be grateful. But I'm, I feel good about it. I feel it's in a positive place. Yeah. And I think it's it's in rude health and it's got a lot to do with uh, Dallas 4. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Yeah. Thanks again. I mean, we can talk tips and stuff. I mean, I mean to bore the readers, as soon as somebody submits something, create that shell on the website so when it gets re-editing, you can just drop it in the text. It's good to go. Um, I I think the quotes and reviews as well, that was one thing I was, do you do something humorous? Do you do something from a previous review? Or I go to say, I go into the, the um, online internet free library, mm. type in the distillery, you get all the books and yep. you just have a look in there. Maybe Michael Jackson, you know, it's nice having these names in the review that, you know, some people obviously recognize and respect and other people probably don't know who they are at all. And it's free yep. publicity for them in a way. So that just, I think that it, and in a nice way that those sorts of names sort of fit in what we're doing, because that's at the high level we're pitching at, I think. And certainly I haven't heard any of them contact me or anybody else going why are you using my name or my quote <laughs> you know because <laughs> oh, i'm sure they're quite happy to so um these things are great so it's all really it's nice like, yeah. yeah yeah so these you know i mean you could do a link to the book and stuff you know it's all there so i think um we can still tinker and i mean i'm still i mean i'll still be around for people but even at the moment i'm still i think 
we've scheduled a couple of reviews today and I've, I've got one to do tomorrow. Um, you know, so the content's coming, you know, it's dripping. It's some really good stuff we've got coming, um, which you'll probably read by the time this comes out anyway, but you'll know it. And that's why you're listening as well. Gregor, I have to say, I've managed to get him to stay until Isla's out of the way. <laughs> he's, he's staying on board until I come back from Isla so I can relax. Oh, I like it. Away. I like it. I like it. <laughs> There's not that void. No, Jason, I've loved getting to know you over this. You will always have a seat at this uh, round table for sure. You know, we, we, we can't all be upbeat. We definitely need to balance it out with uh, your sobering, <laughs> melancholic <laughs> delivery. I'm joking. I love it. And I love jibing you. I'm conscious you often talk about your word count and we've got triple out of you on this podcast. Um, yeah. So I don't want to stretch you out either. But um, no, it's been great. You will always, always have a seat here. Can I, without, you know, we're, we're, you're cutting loose, but can I get a soft commitment from you that if mm-hmm. you find a, a one whiskey or a nine me, I mean, we, I think we agree. Do, do, do 10 exists? Do we think a 10 will exist? Yeah, yeah. Very rare, but okay. yeah, they will. Yeah. All right. So let's say, Jason, if you find a 1 or a 10, you'll, you'll, you'll come back and, and fill that review in. <laughs> Not a 9. No, you want the 10. <laughs> I, well, I'm trying to give you your space. You, you, need, you need space. If, if it's a 9 that we can all buy and it's uh, available. That's true. Yeah, there we go. The thing, isn't there it? we go. That's the, that's the criteria. Um, and even that rules out Springbank, doesn't it? But we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I know this this podcast can't talk Springbank again. We we over-indexed in the first few. Um, so, Jason, do you want to play I Am a Distillery or do you want to deliver an I Am a Distillery? I did get one when I was at the Dalgate Bay Gala today, standing in the queue for ice cream. I chotted down 10 facts for a distillery. Hey. Awesome. Just off the top of your head? You didn't do uh, you didn't read the Bible? <laughs> no, no. No, this has... So, yeah, wow. I think I think this will work. A testament so. to Jason's ability. It's just... <laughs> Sadness. That's what happens. That's what happens with 30 years of whiskey experience. Mm, yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? But no, I'm still, there's still plenty more years in it. Um, uh, yeah. So we want to do this, do we? Sure. Aye. Okay. Uh, do you want to get your shout in first, Gregor? That seems to be the the usual. Uh, Glenvor. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, so I am a distillery. I was founded by a farmer. Hmm. I was the biggest distillery on Speyside at one time. Ooh. I had a large fire and was closed for three years. And then moving on from that, I experienced another fire in 1959. Okay. I'm just going to have, I'm usually holding onto my water, but I'm just going to go with Imperial. Okay. My name means Green Valley. Oh no! Yes! Oh no! I mean, I'm 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 no wiser, but I mean the fact that clearly, <laughs> well, clearly well, imperial I, doesn't mean that. And I know what it is now, but it's no imperial. Oh no! And mm. I can't see it. Text me, I was Roy. The f- Text me quickly. 
Right, I will. <laughs> I was the first distillery to have a pagoda. Oh. A very uh, specific style of pagoda. Yeah, by um, uh, Charles Cree. Yeah. I made my official single malt debut in 1991. Ah. Um, and oh, that I might be a, a flora entry to give you. Uh, when Kleinleish was closed a couple of years ago, I stepped in to replace it. And this question meant to get easier as it goes on. Aye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are depends, people. There are people celebrating. Where. There are people doing the dance. I don't get to do oh. the dance. I think Justine is right now. <laughs> I know. Last one. Most people will see me as a sixteen-year-old. So you're thinking of a sixteen-year-old in maybe the fauna range. Ah. Is it Dal Ewan? That's not what I think of. That's sixteen. Yes, Dal Ewan. We need to edit that out. We need to edit that out because people are playing along. So. <laughs> oh no. So, so. Ole, 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 ole. <laughs> oh no. Well done. How, how, many, how many clues did you have left? That, that was, was the last, last one, one, wasn't it? That was it. That, that was, was it. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe it. I redeemed myself from calling Fetakin a sherry whiskey. <laughs> 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 oh, that's amazing! Uh, yeah, Del Ewan or um, there's a the, uh, there's a Lochin Ewan or Lochin Lochin Nuanya or something, and it's the Green Loch. So uh, Del Ewan is uh, Green Valley. Yeah, um, Del Ewan, otherwise known otherwise known as Dirty Del Ewan. <laughs> yeah, could use right. that. Yeah. Yeah, gutted, gutted. Just hold your water. Hold your. That water, was right. perfection as yeah. to how that played out for for Roy. Sorry, I was clueless <laughs> throughout all. Uh, true yeah. to form, Jason, your clues were not helping Rob or I throughout. No, I've no. got there though. Rob, Rob, ah, Rob there. well done, Rob. Well done. Thank you, oh, Jason. Thank you for that. That was amazing. Um, yeah, nice to go out on an I am a distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so indeed, thank honestly, dude. Thanks for everything you've done. Um, it's created this podcast as well, which I and, and everyone else is thoroughly enjoying. And I think it's testament, to be fair, um, to all the hard work that you did that you guys have got so far, so fast. Um, you know that you were thinking, you know, you've got got to where you thought you would get in a third of the time. Yeah. I think it's tremendous. So thanks yeah. again, and a huge thanks out to everybody that's been supporting us. I know that a lot of you are going to be um, a wee bit sad that Jason's moving on, but there'll always be a wee pair of shoes with Dallas 4 written on the inside for him, <laughs> for him to step into anytime he wants to come along and do that. Um, he's he's done a good thing. Let we'll have to get bo- one of those. Let the, boy, uh... let the boy do his research, focus on his family and do the things that he wants to do. And hey, I, yeah. he's, left us, he's left us in a strong position to carry on on our own. Definitely. Can we for the I'm next two weeks or so? Yeah. Go on, go on, go on. No, I'm, I'm currently researching a pipe at Glen Alban from 1859. Oh. It's a very cool story of sort of, well, it was sort of one of people, about an Inverness historian mentioned it to me. Uh, the founder of Dow Ewan, James Sutherland, who was the provost, so the mayor, 
owned Glenalbin and it was getting rebuilt in the 1850s. And he also owned the Muirtown Hotel next door that was getting built around about that time. And the legend is, which not many people know, is he had a pipe going from Glenalbin into his hotel or his in-house, uh, just supplying him with, a, as my uh, colleague put, the provost's share um, <laughs> rather than the angel's share. <laughs> and I think it's a legit, I think it's a legitimate tale from what I've pieced together so far. So that's a, a great one. So, um, yeah, fun. But uh, That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah, where does this pipe go? Where does this pipe go, son? Oh, you don't want to be looking at that now. <laughs> <laughs> I only got found after he died. So, um, but yeah, in 1859, they found it. So I think he only had it maybe going for a few years, but no doubt he guzzled uh, a lot of the, the produce out of that distillery. Wow. That's tremendous. Uh, so good. <laughs> so good. Um, and great to see the gramophone getting put to good use. Um that's, oh, that's yeah. still there. Ap- apologies if you've submitted a dramaphone and we didn't use it tonight. Uh, we used it instead to to give uh, Jason his his, uh, his his thanks from the writing team. That's what they used it for. Uh, but the dramaphone is there. Um, any question, any comment that you want to make. Uh, if you're a member right now, we may be opening it up to public soon. I don't know. We're, we're getting a wee bit of pressure for it to be a public thing. Uh, but if you... Be- yeah, go ahead. It'd be interesting go. to do it over the uh, the summer break, actually. Just leave, 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 leave it, it on, leave it, and have to have an the answer phone. Answer phone, and just <laughs> yeah. keep ticking over. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say before, for, as a little test, a little testimony to uh, to Dallas and uh, and Jason, have a little one of those heritage blue heritage plaques uh, mixed in with the drum drum face logo with uh, Jason's name. Well, he'll always have that face. Will always appear in the logo, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be the, his equivalent of the heritage plaque, his legacy that that we face as it skips forward. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we just start selling a... uh, blue yeah. Judge Dread helmets in the uh, in the drum face store. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. I mean, if there's a, like I say, I'm I'm a promise now for a one or a ten, maybe, but I'm, I'm still or a nine still, um... nine that you can get nine you can get. We did agree yeah, on yeah, that. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's still. I'll still get whiskeys that I think, yeah, this one moves me to write something. So I'm sh- I'm sure when the the, the time is there, it, it will happen. So, um, but no, it's uh, looking forward to the future. But also, you know, like you say, dipping the toe back in occasionally, um, mm, and like everybody else, just seeing what happens next here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this one that I've opened is called "Warms the Cockles of Your Heart." This Capardonic. And it's a beauty. It's it's absolutely delicious. Boys, I might bring it to Isla. Oh, <laughs> Superb. Well, Jason, thank you for all your time over the last um, however many months and late nights. Uh, boys, thanks for joining the podcast. And indeed, more so, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll catch you in the comments and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers all. Thanks to you, Greg. Cheers. 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 Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Let's do a wee, let's let's get the glasses ringing here. Come on, come on. <laughs> a thermos mug in a ceramic cup. <laughs> That'll do. Oh, the time zone sucks ass. <laughs> Alright, Jason, Grumpy Phil here. Uh, just want to say that it's been an absolute pleasure collaborating with and learning from you over the past 
don't know, six, seven years. Um, keep up all the good work with the Glenvor project, and hopefully Buddy will be able to actually share a drama in person sometime soon. Slancha Buddy, all the best. I am the law.